0: Alright, welcome back, Crossing Broadcast. I am your host, Kyle Scott, joined as frequently by Russell Joy at Joy On Broad and no Adam today because he had his laptop stolen. Do I have that right? No. <laughs> he I would like to inflate the story for the sake yes, of entertainment.
1: Very sad. That's why you shouldn't live in New York City, because if you work for Bleacher Report and you work in New York City. Someone will inevitably steal your laptop. He Apparently, got mugged on the subway. This is although, why. I'm, this
0: is why I am a, a highly
1: a highly sought after blogger because I can take a little something and I can turn it into a lot. So what you're saying is you can you can take a little piece of truth and spin a completely fictitious story.
0: Uh, basically, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Basically, I make everything up. Well, uh, Adam. Okay. So uh, Adam is not with us. His coworker took his god i this is why this is like reason number 7842 why i do not miss working in an office his co-worker picked up the wrong bag uh like something out of a diane keaton film and maybe i'm thinking michael keaton and took his took the wrong laptop home um so i don't know if this means like in some alternate universe they switch lives or whatever and switch roommates but uh, adam is not with us because he does not have a laptop and the software we use to record it cannot be done through a phone. It requires a computer. So it is Russ and I today. Um, got a, got a little bit of something here for you, Russ. Um, I love stuff. At hey, ninety-seven. Me. At ninety-seven 5, uh, Excuse me. Excuse me. This is this is bad radio, but we're
1: just gonna just bear with me here. Okay. Luckily, we're not radio.
0: At 975 middays, seven hours ago. According to Pewter Report, John Gruden is considering a return to NFL camp. Camp has be to the NFL. Camp has begun. Dot dot dot. Who would you rather have for the 2017 NFL season? 610-632-0975. Several hours later, 975 the fanatic, 33 minutes ago. Just after 6 a.m this morning live from the tropicana in ac 97.5 mornings with anthony gargano and bob cooney there's cooney again and there's already Gruner rumors question mark and then once again all right eagles fans end of the season eight and eight doug was just kind of average are you kicking the tires on gruden in 2018 610-632-0975 so russ we are Uh, approximately eight hours into a I guess loosely sourced report that we see every six to nine months about John Gruden being interested in the NFL and it is already the topic du jour on 97.5 what says you well
1: of course it is they have nothing else to talk about and they've got to fill plenty of hours with a bunch of knuckleheads who are now going to call in and absolutely lose their minds, as they have done every year since Gruden last coached in the NFL. And it's not going to happen, people. Like, if, if you are holding out hope for John Gruden for some reason, which... I still don't understand why people are so high on Gruden. I know he won a Super Bowl, but my God, like, it did it did not end well in Tampa Bay. Uh, just to pull, to pull his record, if you will, because it's important. Um, he had plenty of seasons of going sub-500. Uh, in Tampa Bay, his last few years, uh, what was it? 2000, 2002, They won the Super Bowl. Then they went seven and nine, five and eleven. They did go eleven and five in t- two thousand five. Four and twelve, nine and seven, nine and seven. Sounds a little bit mediocre to me. For those of you who are wondering, his uh, his win percentage with Tampa Bay was just over fifty percent. And overall for his coaching career, ninety five and eighty one. That gets you to 5- to fifty four percent winning percentage. So. I don't I don't care. Like I think at this point we're we're yet again in a situation where people do not trust Doug Peterson and that's fine. And if you want to go start, you know, flirting with other coaches, have at it. Um I actually I, I this is a something that I think came up from 975. Connor Barwin was on a show the other day and I dropped it in the Slack chat. Um he he had said a few things about his time in Philly. Nothing nothing really negative, but his last comment that they tweeted was that uh, he thinks that the coaching staff that they have out in Los Angeles is, quote, the best overall coaching staff, unquote, he's had in his career. I take that as a shot. You're on Philly Radio uh, promoting a concert Oh, that was on Philly
0: Radio. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, Oh. Yeah, man. So he was uh, promoting, I guess, you know – Connor Barwin, I liked. He was a good guy. He did a lot for the local music scene, indie indie music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it and, doesn't matter and, what he's promoting. And, yeah, the point is so, he, he, saying, was he was But I'm saying he was promoting of... that, so it wasn't like he was trashing the city of Philadelphia. He, he was still doing his, his good music stuff for Philly. But, yeah, like he, he came out and, and – that was interesting. You're on Philly so, Radio and, and you're saying that this Los Angeles Rams, uh, you know, coaching staff is the best one you've ever had overall.
0: That is the ultimate passive-aggressive swipe in sports. Uh, but pretty much every coach, uh, every player does it when they show up somewhere. They say something is the best about their new city. So I, I'm not going to go like. But you usually 100%.
1: say that with your own city. Like there. if if he's on Los Angeles radio, I would expect that.
0: Connor if- Barwin doesn't seem like this sort of guy to send d- aimless missives at his ex-coaching staff through the radio, and it could have just been a totally unintentional thing, which would actually give it more credence because um you know he wasn't trying to send the message and he was actually genuinely thinks that his uh new coaching staff is better than what the eagles have here which by the way isn't much of a stretch like uh, doug P- here's the thing with peterson uh, uh, back to gruden for a second he's got he's got fun hair and an intense chin so from that standpoint from my blogger standpoint i'm all in on gruden i've always been all in on gruden please bring him back no. um each of the last three Eagles coaches has had a major significant flaw, like like a boss level in a video game flaw where there's one very specific thing that you can attack and you know you can defeat them. With Andy Reid, it was late game time management. With Chip Kelly, it was the fact that he had to deal with live human beings. And with Doug Peterson, it's, I am, we're, we're not 100% sure, but I am fairly certain that is the fact that he's a stone-cold idiot and his, his lack of – uh, ability to process any sort of even common logic will cost the Eagles multiple games and potentially cost them two games and a playoff berth last year.
1: So you're saying he's like Sonic the Hedgehog to Dr. Robotnik and like the Emerald Zone where all you have to do is jump on the guy's head and avoid the drill bit in the front. I got you, Kyle. All right. It's every, it's
0: every boss. There's There's one way to beat every boss and it feels like each of the last, well, each of the last 20 Eagles coaches, but certainly the last three have had one very specific thing. Doug's may be a little more general that he's just not intelligent. I I had this conversation with someone at dinner last night, and they said, you know, like, give the guy a chance. He actually drew up some pretty good plays. He schemed pretty well last year, and all that is true. I think he made lemonade out of whatever lemons they had on offense, and his six-yard offense actually got them to the goal line, and I feel like there were multiple occasions where you would be like, how are the eagles even in the red zone right now how did we get here however look at the cowboys game i forget the exact circumstance but what he punted on that one fourth down when trying the field goal made all the sense um i feel like there's an abacus somewhere that plays gives you the percentages that most coaches are working off of in certain important pivotal highly leveraged moments and peterson Always last year chose the wrong lower percentage option. He was like five for five on choosing the the poorer option. So, don't have a lot of confidence in him. However, the John Gruden conversation today on the third day of training camp is absurd. And um, and yeah, there we have it. There's your uh, Mikey Mist of the day, and potentially for the next week
1: or entire oh, that's gonna, season. That's gonna yep. That's gonna go longer than a week. It's- yeah every time they get the opportunity to flirt with Gruden it, it's it's going to dominate the airwaves and it and it's a stupid conversation to have like i said i i would rather i think at this point we always talk about this in 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 most sports right you'll get a guy like jeff fisher who's who uh is perpetually mediocre at best but because the nfl is a coaching fraternity he ends up popping up all over the place and getting jobs Versus you see something like like LA did, I forget the name of their coach. Um, you know, they went and hired a really young guy to lead the team. Like I think at some point it's better for you to to go out and find a, Sean an, uh Sean McVay. Hmm. Good name. Good he's name. He's thirty. He is re- yeah, he is he's, really thirty. He's, he's super young. So, which, wow. which wow. that was he's the actually, other thing which is, guy, is the other he's thing that's actually that was... a
0: pretty good looking guy, not gonna hard to knock wow. this guy. He's All got right, a nice so smile. There we go.
1: Wow. it's a weird yeah. weird Friday here. Um, the the only interesting thing about it and I guess this kind of comes back to the barwin uh, quote is that he didn't say that his head coach is the greatest head coach he's ever had. He said the overall staff which if nothing else it's it says something nice about McVeigh that he was able to put together a respectable coaching staff at 30 years old. Um, but if I'm if I'm the Eagles and Doug Peterson doesn't work out, I don't look for another retread and i i know that some people will will attack that saying that that's exactly what they did with Chip Kelly by you know going and plucking out one of the the top college coaches at the time to try to be an offensive innovator but i'd rather see them do something like LA did take a gamble on a take a gamble on a younger coach i don't think that bringing in like a Jeff Fisher kind kind of uh guy who has you know plenty of experience in the league is necessarily going to put Carson Wentz in better position to to uh, you know, be more successful. It's probably yeah. gonna, it's probably gonna put your team in a position where they're gonna be mediocre, and you're gonna start wasting away a lot of Carson's years. And if you hire a, a retread like a Jeff Fisher, you're probably gonna stick with him for three to four years. So that would be my guess. Here's the and, thing:
0: I, I don't think the Eagles are. I think after the failed Chip Ke- Kelly experiment, Jeffrey Lurie is never going back to thinking outside the box when it comes to coaching. The Doug Peterson hire, worse than the fact that doug doesn't have a track record he was an offensive coordinator for half a season he doesn't seem like that smart of a guy and he was coaching high school a few years ago and he uh um has bad hair is the fact i guess great hair boob hair we'll call it um really you really don't like doug dude i there's not his name is doug man there's nothing you can point to seriously and we don't have to get into debating Doug Peterson now. I'm certainly willing to give him another chance this year, but there's nothing you could point to on his track record that makes you think he'd be a good coach. Like there there really isn't. So that's that's kind of where I draw the line. You're the Philadelphia Eagles, you're a a premium top 10 NFL franchise in terms of market size, it, you know, all that stuff. And the you come out of this co- this supposedly long and intense coaching search with your old quarterback who was the mini-me of your old coach who wasn't working out here after, who did, wore thin here after a while. Um, so I feel like if if that's the guy they, they came back to and they turned the clock back so far on Peterson, I don't think we're ever getting Jeffrey Lurie thinking outside the box on a coaching hire. And and that's fine. It, it doesn't mean it, it's not going to work. I mean, there's plenty of good coaches in the NFL. Uh, this guy on a separate note, this guy, McVeigh, 30 years old. Do you feel 610632? Do you feel inadequate when you see a guy who is younger than you and is significantly more successful besides an athlete? Like all athletes are, you know, we're all at that point now where half of the professional sports players are younger than us, but like when I look at like Matt Klintak, he looks like he's younger than me. He's not, but I get, I get outraged. When I see this guy McVay in LA, I'm like, God, God
1: damn oh, it. Like, oh, that's I right. Have, Cause he's uh, a, he would have been a freshman
0: when I was a senior. And now he's the wow. coach of an NFL team. Does yeah, that has got feel suck inadequate because, or well, do I, I mean, have problems?
1: You're, you're past your time. Yeah. That, that would be really upsetting to see a guy younger than you as an NFL coach. Now, luckily for me, I'm four years away from that happening. So, uh, no, I don't feel that bad. I still have 4 years to turn my life around and become an NFL uh, head coach. Like Jared I look at like a Jared Kushner. I'm like,
0: god, that guy is younger than me and he is running how the world. Kushner? I think he's I think he, he's either 32 or 34. So he might be a year older.
1: Oh, I was going to say yeah, you're not like 36. All right. Well, he's, he's,
0: Yeah, no. I think he's uh actually how old? He's 36. Okay, I was wrong. Still, shockingly like in 3 but years I cannot looks, imagine. he just looks very young. He's, he looks like he's 12.
1: He's got a youthful complexion.
0: Um Yeah. So uh, hey, real quick, I i there was a story today, I guess there was some sort of train derailment somewhere in Europe
1: or train Hold on. crashed. Before yeah. you get there, let yeah. me let me uh since we brought up the fanatic, I, I just have to get this off my chest. Mm-hmm. I saw Jeff Mosher tweet this and then I saw yesterday 975 middays. Mosh Pit. Do this. Uh I'm what? start calling him that. Mosh Pit. Oh, I oh, like a mosh pit. Look at you. You're so much funnier than I think we ever give you credit for. Oh, yep. And we actually uh we almost started on time today. You actually were the first one on this morning. Very proud of you. Those beans must have been ready to, to be ground. Well well done. No, they're no actually slurp. They, actually I didn't they get w- a coffee slurp this morning. Very strange.
0: We are They w- weren't ground and my wife who typically fills the water in the coffee pot so all i gotta do is grind the beans put it in the water is the worst part because it we, filling it up through the refrigerator it takes like nine minutes to get five cups of water through that little
1: refrigerator wait, stream she did not like,
0: do that so that actually cost me a good solid two minutes today
1: wait so do you use a keurig or do you use like a regular coffee pot Use a fucking keurig we're not so barracks. Then, so then why don't you just set the timer at night grind no, the beans because
0: but no, you don't want to grind the beans at night. They go stale. You got no, to grind don't. the beans. What are and you
1: talking? No,
0: dude, you know you do not want to expose uh, the grounds to air for more than uh, ten seconds. If you have to, you grind the beans and you get the hot water on them immediately.
1: I can't. I That's
0: can't the whole point. Up. You got to get yeah. fresh coffee. It has to be have been. Have been roasted within two weeks. You grind the beans and you get water. You can't grind the beans the night before. Get the hell out of here! And it's not a, and we don't do an all-in-one. You got to do like the the old European style
1: grinder. You, and a I I of, have to be honest. I don't know what the health is wrong with you, but uh, you know, clearly you're uh, you're just you're out of your mind. Um, anyway, uh, 97 midday's. Uh, yesterday, it was yesterday morning. Yeah. Um, they they said the following. Uh, they retweeted a, a listener who said Kyrie is overrated. Gunner Ballhog plays zero defense. I wouldn't trade Fultz or him straight up with a rookie contract. No thanks. And ninety-seven-five midday's quotes this and says Kyrie is overrated. Six-one-zero dot dot dot. Jeff Mosher did the same thing this past week. I have to say, I think we're making an impact.
0: We uh, well, I w- I would say that a, we, we may have entered their heads in some regards and. Uh, i would uh i would I would give you credit because I'm pretty
1: sure you were sort of the guy who coined six one oh six three two that was that was me I almost said baby uh yeah that 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 was me maybe we should switch it up um eight 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 seven two nine ninety four ninety four pound ninety four ninety four on your eighteen team verizon cell phone all right um go ahead talk about train derailment I just wanted to I just wanted to say that I think it's really cute that Jeff Mosher and ninety seven five middays are now taking our shtick about them. They're trying to use it to their advantage. It's well, almost I, like that. If I make fun of myself, if I'm self-deprecating, then you can't hurt my feelings. I think we've gotten to another stage of denial. What are there, seven stages of No, like it's denial. actually a really smart...
0: It, you are 100% right, and it's a really smart use. If you turn something around and take ownership with it, it works from the schoolyard bully up to the nerdy podcast bullies that we are uh it, it does work it takes a little air out of the sails, so we might have to start switching to eight 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 nine whatever the fuck WIP's number 888
1: 729 there it is uh
0: anyway real quick there was a train the train crashed into a platform somewhere in Belgium 50 people hurt. um I have a theory on trains and You can tell me if I'm nuts here. Uh, I've taken, you know, I mean.
1: Stop right there. You're nuts. All right, let's move on now.
0: Fairly experienced with Amtrak, right? When I get on a train, I always, always, always walk to the, not the back of the train, but like the second or third car in from the back and get on that car because I have deduced that that is the safest car every time you see a derailment, certainly anything that crashes into something, it's always the first two cars that take the brunt of it. It, it would be like riding on the hood of your car. The whole reason the, the front of your car is so long, it's a big crumple zone. So the first two cars, when they hit something, it's always those where the real damage is done. And when there's a, a derailment... It's always the first half of the train is completely off the tracks. That's where everybody gets hurt, and then the other cars. The momentum is such that by the time you get to the back half of the of the snake, there, uh, you know, it might come off, it might tilt over, but the the cata the catastrophic tumbling and bloodshed and tossed metal is always from the first few cars. I don't know why more people don't sit in the back of the
1: train. Well, I'm not going to say that Huffington Post is necessarily a. Uh... A reliable source on the matter but um there was an article published two years ago that said that supposedly the safest places to sit on a train are either the middle car or one behind the middle
0: yes a hundred like it, it just makes total sense and yet I, i've been with people like getting on trains who like are eager to hop in the first entrance of the first car you know, on, on a SEPTA train where that's, you know, that's the steering car. There's no locomotion. I'm like,
1: dude, wh- right. why? <clears throat> why? If let's, we hit the station, we're done. Let's cite an article. We're, we're going to continue this, uh, this being very scholarly. An NBC News article from I don't know when. Um, Larry Mann, who's a rail safety lawyer was quoted as saying that the safest spot in a train during an accident is the center of a train. And he was the principal author of the Federal Railway Safety Act in 1970. So if there's, uh, you know, if there's anyone better than uh, this Larry Mann fellow, who his name rolls off the tongue, and I'm sure plenty of people listening this morning were saying, ah, what does Larry Mann think? Well, there you go. Now we know.
0: I I would argue that it's, it's further back. I can only guess that they say the middle because if something hits the back of the train, you certainly don't want to be in the caboose um however
1: how often do you get hit from behind in a train well no i know but i mean
0: in theory this isn't it's not like if, thomas, if something's going
1: thomas ha- and percy are you know going down the reins with down the track with the the troublesome the troublesome trucks and the like no no but if something's not but happening it, they're not shunting again. go ahead if something bad happens on
0: a train, there has been, someone has made a catastrophic mistake, and in some cases, there is a train that is on the wrong track, so if you're at a station, if you're at a station, and Amtrak, you're, you're a local train stopped, and Amtrak is coming through not on the express line, you, that is not the, you do not want to be in the back of that car, so I'm, I'm good with being in, like, the 60% car, like, right, a little bit behind center, so that is, Look, that is a, a word to the wise to our listeners. Never sit in the front of a train. I, every time I see one of these train derailments, I'm like these fucking idiots. Like don't they should put dummy cars up there just as
1: is like a as a um, you know crumple zone. It
0: doesn't make any Have sense. Have you ever
1: gotten uh the, here? Here's a train question. Love trains. Have you ever uh, gotten on the quiet car and not realized it was the quiet car? It happened to me on Amtrak like two years ago. And I don't frequent the train The train scene. Um, and somehow, like, I feel like the quiet car should have an absurd amount of, of postings on that car as you're going through the door so that you definitely know that it's the quiet car. And I was so confused. My wife and I were sitting on, I think we were trying to go to Reading Terminal Market. And this lady just kept giving us this, like, disgustingly dirty look. What were you and guys doing? We were just, like, we were legitimately talking at a normal level. Oh, okay. And I was like, "Wow, nobody's talking." And then this lady just kept giving dirty looks. And then finally, she points up at like this ticking banner thing going by that that says about you are currently in the quiet car. She didn't I'm even like, tell you God, She just pointed is it at is it the silent car? <laughs> you know, like it says quiet. I I would say that we were speaking quietly, but yeah, I don't know. What are some other things you have accidentally stumbled upon? Six one zero.
0: Uh, so all right, let's move. Let's move I on. Have, this I, I have a few
1: topics. If you uh, yeah, go I ahead. I don't know what you have go going ahead. on over there. I was going to go. So some questions. Go ahead. Okay. So Adubel Herrera, right? We, uh, we talked about the other day that he got benched for not running out a ball. Surprise, surprise. Um, by the way, does this make us have to kind of backtrack a little bit um, and apologize to Mike Schmidt? Because I feel like every time Herrera does something stupid, uh, people go to bat for him. No pun intended. Um, and then he he kind of straightens himself out for a while, looks like a good leader on the team, and then kind of to Schmidt's point, uh, except the you know, language barrier, that part's still totally wrong. But uh, he goes back and he does the same stupid thing again. He doesn't run it. He doesn't run out of ball, or he makes a base running blunder that costs them a run. Um, apparently, uh, Pete McCannon said that um, it, it is nothing more than just giving him some rest. He was asked if if um, Herrera thing was a benching he gave him two days off um and and that was it he said that uh, it had nothing to do with benching Adubal Herrera it's just he wanted to give him a a couple days off for rest because there's nothing quite like having to rest a guy on an absolutely miserable substandard team they really have to get ready for that uh that October run the old nothing to see here approach from McCannon which Uh... everybody can see through which is the kind of thing that we always kind of go in on people for, and and Philly fans are smart enough to go in on on people for. Like, none of this attempted transparency or or by addressing it, giving the you know the the appearance that you're being transparent, but you're clearly lying to the fans. Like, just say it. Like, just say that you've benched the guy for two days because he didn't run out of ball. It's been a thing that's happened before, and you expect better of him. He's supposed to be a leader on the team. That's all you have to say. And and I don't think you would have fans losing their minds. It's not like this is you know peak Phillies and Jimmy Rollins sits for a game like that would suck, or Howard Howard gets sat, or Utley gets himself hurt and now you don't get to see Chase, or you were supposed to. I was thinking about this the other day, like that you are signing, and there's precedent um, for it. But do you remember? I I thought about this the other day, just like how far the Phillies have fallen. Do you remember back during their like great three four year window when you would go to buy tickets to a game and you would you would actually go onto the Phillies web page and you would look to see who the probable starters were for like the next four or five games and you're like this is awesome like here's Halliday we got Oswald we got Cliff Lee we got Cole. you know we got Cole we got Halliday and then like you got to the Joe Blanton game and then at that point you, you look wanted. at how you look at how much cheaper those tickets are and you're like man I love average Joe. He looks like just a guy who came out of the stands, but then you ultimately decide to spend twice as much money to get a Cliff Lee ticket, and now, like, who do you even go see? Like, well, yeah, I... I,
0: no, Aaron Nola. By the way, my, my dad is a bit. My dad has always been a big look at the schedule and try and predict the starters. Like going back to the '90s, he would call up the Braves schedule and he would try and forecast 32 days out when Greg Maddox would be pitching. He was a big Maddox guy. And, I mean, he, he was doing Carrie Matheson-level whiteboard math, trying to determine when Kurt Schilling and Maddox would be going head-to-head or Randy Johnson when he was on the Diamondbacks. Really super tough to do because one rain out could throw everything completely out of whack. The Phillies during those – the thing about 2011 was great because you had a 80% chance of seeing a really good pitcher, I guess actually until Roy Oswald flaked out. Um, but you had a pretty good chance of seeing somebody – I stumbled into Joe Blanton in the 2009 World Series, uh, which sucked because that was the game, the Johnny Damon swipes an empty third base game. I had horrible flashbacks. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's pretty lame. Like, other than Nola, there is nothing to watch for on this team. I think I saw, uh, what, Helixson the other night. Like, Helixson and Ikoff are two of the most uninteresting pitchers maybe in the history of Phillies baseball. Like, both are ostensibly somewhat decent, and then every time you watch them, they're just like the epitome of mediocrity. Um, Aaron Nola, on the other hand, has, again, my dad's a big pitcher guy. Uh, He called me yesterday telling me I should do a blog post, because Nola is the first Phillies pitcher since 1998, Kurt Schilling, to strike out uh, seven or more batters in six consecutive starts. Uh, My dad was blown away because this is something that obviously Roy Halladay, Cliff Lee, or Cole Hamels didn't do, which is somewhat impressive. Nola has looked really good. He is the one bright spot. Um, Back to your point about Odubel, I don't think anybody cares. I'm not going to apologize to Mike Schmidt because had he just said, yeah, I don't think he's a leader because he's a knucklehead, I think everyone would have nodded their head and said, hey, Schmidt said something normal for once. Instead, he relied on language and said he doesn't feel like Hispanic players can be leaders because of the language barrier, which is... Sort of absurd. Which is nonsense. Be- because, yeah, I mean, and not just because of the language thing, but, like, look around at, like, Ichiro, who pretends that he can't speak English and has been, I don't know if he's been a leader, but he has been a, a all-star type player for, it feels like, 20 years. So um, there are plenty of examples of this in sports where you don't need guys who speak perfect English who could be just fine. O'Double Schmidt could have just saved himself because O'Double is not that guy, and he's a complete knucklehead. Um, I, fe- I, I think it's... It's, I want to say I feel like I was out of the head of, uh, on the curve on Odubel because last year when everyone was excited May of 2016 we were like wow maybe we have a wild card team on our hands and every game they were they were playing really well but every game O'Double did something minor not even like these like stupid not running the ball out but a misplay in the field throwing to the wrong base swiping a base when he absolutely shouldn't. And it was like, God, this guy, every single game does something stupid. Every single game. And now here we are, and it's like a big thing that he is as much of an idiot as he is.
1: I think it's important that we go back and we, we fix an error that, that we, uh, we just said a little bit ago. What was the name of the pitcher that you were saying that your dad used to try to get to see? Greg was Maddox. Greg. Yeah, Greg, Greg Maddox. UX. You might be confusing that with Gary Maddox, who played center field for the Phillies. Wait, What? yep gary maddox m-a-d-d-o-x Yeah, uh, played yes. played, played, well, played for the I, phillies greg you... maddox is m-a-d-d-u-x yeah i call him Maddox. what are some things what are that some things the... you mispronounce that is the correct pronunciation of 7-9. greg maddox is maddox he's yeah, an it's ox it's... it's greg maddox no i refuse um, i
0: refuse to pronounce it that way that's fine
1: that's like how i say miz instead of miz and it drives you nuts good yep, that's true. um all right so we'll we'll stick with the phillies because people care so much um they traded their best, easily their best traded, tradable piece, Pat Neshek. We didn't talk about this the other day, did we?
0: I think it happened after we recorded.
1: Okay, so Pat Neshek uh, got traded for... Uh, three. What? Sure. What? Uh, got traded for three young prospects, including Alejandro Requena, a 20-year-old right-handed starting pitcher, J.D. Hammer who we have to come back to in a second. He's 23 years old. He's a, a uh, right-handed reliever. And Jose Gomez, a 20-year-old shortstop. Uh, J.D. Hammer, for those of you who have, haven't seen it, you need to search this guy on Twitter. Uh, one of us will will have to send out a picture of him if you haven't seen it yet. Is this guy with um, glasses? Yeah, he's got these these like old man glasses. Like We're talking like mid-'90s Drew Carey show, Cleveland Ricky Vaughn. Rocks kind of, Ricky Vaughn. kind of glasses. And uh, I'll tell you, man, his uh the minor league team that he played for i think for the the rockies um their their logo on the hat is a baseball with these big glasses and then it's it's him wearing these big glasses like he is he is essentially the mascot for that team so um you can actually check zoo there, with roy's twitter he had a good
0: tweet on he had a screenshot tweet okay yes um, think.
1: but apparently the three guys they got they're all single a guys um but they're all young with the exception of you know JD Hammer being a twenty-three year old in single light, but it it looks like they got you know good value back for who who is going to leave at the end of the season anyway, um, and he's he's had a very good season on a, on an absolutely atrocious team. So kudos to him. Um, and hey, I don't, hold Klintak, I don't know if Klintak you can call it good, good value. None of these guys were among the
0: Rockies' top-ranked prospects, which is fine. You don't expect to get that for a middle reliever with three months left on his deal, but. Uh, let's not get too excited here. It's, I mean, you got
1: three promising single-A guys. It's about I don't as have good to as it can get right I don't now. think
0: they're very promising. I think they're Why just single-A guys because well, they're not uh, – I don't think anyone considers them among the Rockies' top prospects, so I don't know how promising you could be I mean, if you're a single-A player and especially a guy who's 23 and you're not considered one of the organization's top prospects and they're willing to I mean, part ways from you for a we, middle
1: reliever. I seem to remember a time that, that the Phillies traded Cliff Lee for at least one guy who was supposed to be a top prospect and in Seattle, uh, Philippe Amont. Oh, sure. So, those, I mean, doesn't, we, we I, I know. talked about why tree. those baseball sure. they got America something. rankings they got don't really shit. mean a whole lot. Um, but if, if you get three solid single a guys out of it, it's, it's not so bad. Gomez is hitting three they They're not solid. A, I think you need to drop your
0: adjectives. They got three single a guys period. They're not right, solid. are so not promising. We're going to save this
1: for a future date for when one of these guys end up making the pros in 2032 and we're all dead. They might, but stop calling them solid they're not i'm saying they're they're solid single a guys they're not they're single a guys you it's like a seinfeld episode a guy, Kyle. But you
0: keep calling them solid and promising they're not they're just but they're single a guys they're could, pretty could they pretty, work out
1: pretty good they're pretty pretty good
0: i don't like your adjectives um all right uh so moving on we to... could have
1: talked about isaac samalo becoming the uh, eagles starting left guard the fact that they cut alan barbary do we need to talk about that
0: uh, it's a little bit of an odd move to get rid of your offensive line depth. I would
1: agree with that. I mean I'm not like you know, you know why they did it because I know a coach that they are considering bringing in next year who did not like Allen Barbery. All of course, right. All right. I'm talking about John Gruden. I'm telling you, man, this guy, this guy Isaac Savala, man, he's he's got a lot of skills out there, man. I I've out there at Eagles practice, man. He's he's a heck of a player. Heck of a player, man.
0: All right. Moving on to questions. Uh, What do we got here? Someone wants to know why not release the podcast for the evening drive commute? Secret report on things that happened during the day. Um, Well, the logic behind the podcast is that it's up in the morning, so hopefully we could talk about things that happened the night before, which we think is a little bit better of a niche. However... Doing it during the summer when no one is watching the Phillies makes that really a lost cause. However, I think once uh, the fall rolls around and the Eagles are playing on Sundays and the Sixers are playing three nights a week and the Flyers are playing three nights a week, the morning show, the nature of recording in the morning will be significantly better because we will be able to talk about what happened the night before and there should be a lot of excitement surrounding the Sixers. The summer, I agree, we could pretty much record the show any time of day and it wouldn't matter right now. Um, but our whole purpose for starting the show in April and doing it throughout the summer was to iron out the kinks, get used to recording every morning, get a process in place so we could really uh, do it in the fall. So thank you for everyone who listens now, but we would expect that our audience will go grow two to three times in the fall. So you guys listening now are our base, and as they call them in the radio industry, the P1ers, the people who call uh, every week, the people who show up to Fantasy Fest, they actually have a term for those people. So you guys wow. listening are, are P1-ers. I yeah, wonder
1: if any of our if any of the people who listen to us are going to be going to Fantasy Fest. Oh, I'm so I'm certain of it. I'm am certain there's overlap. I, I think that there's definitely there's got to be a subsection. We talked about this, you know, when when uh, Spike did the the Ricky party about how it could be. Theoretically, it could be weird to like go to some of these events if you if you talk smack on the stations, um, but I I went to Fan, uh, to Fanatic Fest once, uh, Fantasy Fest. I think it might have been the first or the second inaugural one, and it 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 was interesting. Have you ever been down there?
0: I could not imagine go. I could not a play imagine a Philly sports thing. I would less like to attend than Fantasy Fest.
1: Okay, so maybe.
0: Maybe it's because I don't know. Maybe it's because just from doing this, I'm jaded, and even even certain sports things, it takes me a lot now to get excited for a sports thing. I mean, obviously the Sixers this year were exciting, and that was legitimately exciting. But I I have trouble I. Doing, like, doing, and you'll get this, the longer we do the podcast, certain things in sports just happen so frequently, and you see the same repetition year after year, the same storylines, the same opinions, where it really takes something outside the box to, to move the needle for you. So, in that respect, I kind of understand why guys like Mike Missinelli and Howard Eskin seem so, they roll their eyes at so many things, because you you just see so many of the, of the same threads play out all the time. Um, Fantasy Fest is not exactly that, but I could not imagine oh. somewhere less interesting and less of a like bogus over the top. We're gonna ch- we're gonna you know over overpriced drinks, overcrowded spot to meet a couple of the same five Philly personalities who this city rolls out every year. Uh, you know, and I love Brian Westbrook. I love I don't know who else shows up, Jaws or whatever. But like these people have literally made a living now out of making. Philly appearances. The Flyers, Broad Street Bullies guys have done this for thirty years. It's like the idea of going and seeing a Bernie Perant again. It's like uh, cool, cool. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm a Debbie yeah, so Downer on, on let me the let whole me just
1: get, well, I don't know how much of a Debbie Downer you are. Like, like I said, it's been a few years since I've been there, but to compare the uh, the lottery party versus fanatic uh, versus Fantasy Fest, so I think there were more people at this lottery party than there were the year that I was at Fantasy Fest. I think. It, it's, it was very clear to see because at, Which I'm sure made party, Matt
0: Nehagian happy.
1: Well, I mean, at, at the lottery party, it it really felt like you're in the upstairs of like a Barnabys where there is nowhere to move. Uh, like the one in Westchester, not the one that burned down. Um, <laughs> we, I don't remember if we talked about that on an early episode or if that was on one of the test shows where you, uh, eviscerated poor Barnabys that burnt to the ground. Um, I like didn't eviscerate them. You, I eviscerate yes them. Uh yes No, I just said you, that and if you, I were you said, and you talked ahead. about their chicken wings. You said, "Well, at least, oh, uh, at least now they have an excuse for their wings being overcooked." Like that was terrible, and you should feel terrible. Um, anyway, the the lottery I should You're a good. The, you're
0: the, a notable sports bar. It's re- like, don't fuck up your wings. It's not that it's difficult to not fuck up wings if you care just a little bit. What
1: are some things that you think a bar shouldn't mess up? Anyway, um the The lottery party was was totally packed in, like there you were sardines. But it was it was awesome because it's like the weirdest subset of like dark Sixers Twitter and and Reddit. The the fantasy fest. Uh, when I got there, I remember thinking that this thing had to be awesome because it's one of the two sports radio stations. This is when I was naive, and they had like the the car that you hit with the hammer that has penguins and cowboys on it. I think there was a Tony Romo um, cardboard cutout in the driver's seat or something like that. There was a thing where like Ron Jaworski's golf course or something like you would, you would take a putt and if you made the putt, you would win a free round of golf. I made the putt. I gave them my email. I never got the round of golf. I'm still upset (laughs) about it. Um, Dude, we got enough sway to I think get you that round of golf. It, you know, it's just, it was a little bit upsetting. I never got the email. I was, I was a little bit jaded. Yes. Drinks were overpriced. Food was overpriced. Um, and I don't remember who was doing live. Oh, I remember now they were doing live shows up in like the, um, the terrace of, of Xfinity live. There's like a little, little glass room, like above the VIP suite. And that's where they were doing live shows. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was weird. It, it didn't, it didn't have that great feel to it. It just kind of felt like a place where people who listen to Philly radio and call in to talk about why they want John Gruden to be the next Eagles coach would go to like pound a few beers and try to get a picture with Mike Missinelli. Well it's like, and, like every and it's, it's fine. Like it's if if you're into that kind of thing, like that's fine. I, I don't I guess I just don't don't quite enjoy that as much. And then I, I was listening. I actually put on the Fanatic the other day and I heard they're doing like the first ever, I think, Miss Mrs. Fanat Miss Fanatic or something. Like they're gonna have a bikini competition, I think, at Fantasy Fest, which I we could get into why why those things are are immoral or are moral or you can judge as you want but like to me that would be, the, that would
0: be like that seems like the only thing that would make it even remotely appealing to show up there and i and judging typically by the qual- quality of girl they have in those things probably not
1: i would not want to be one of one of the uh the women that are going to participate in it be, based on the people that i saw a few years ago well, thank this god thing, it would uh yeah, yeah. i don't know I wouldn't. I wouldn't be uh, signing up for that. Like, the, I don't think they like get that Angelo's phone party at Steven Singer.
0: No, they don't get any money for it because there's no, a no, whole no. subset the, of the, girls, the miss- local uh, no. girls, who want to get attention no, and will show they, up and wear bikinis. About,
1: I think it's something about the uh, the winner gets a uh, like a little prize money or something. You could not.
0: Sure. Uh, so yeah, radio has the, it does an excellent job of exploiting girls who either want to be models or strippers and and they bring them into the studio in bikinis and they make them feel famous for a day. There's a whole subset of people who do this and they also appear in Preston and Steve's calendar and they also do the Monday selfie every morning to Preston and Steve to the point where by following Preston and Steve and always being on Twitter, I now almost know all of the girls who send them their selfies on Monday by first name simply just because I'm scrolling through Twitter and it's the same seven girls every goddamn week, one of whom actually yeah. got herself into Playboy. So I have... Uh, fancy myself a bit of an expert on on this underground subculture of women who want to get themselves attention uh, well we really we, with we regards direction with regard, well no with regards to your fantasy fest thing two things uh, Jaworski's son uh, runs some of his golf courses actually did a little promo freebie sponsor with us and gave me and my bachelor party a free round at Blue Heron a few years ago Whoa. Um, so thank you for, for that excellent courses Uh, Just just after I took a shot at Jaws. Jaws was there, actually. Um, So thank you for that. He does have good courses. Um, The second part of that, your thing on Xfinity Live or whatever. I feel like every single thing about Xfinity Live is just a disappointment. I have, I make oh, see, it. A, I disagree. Well, okay, so I make it a point. I'll be honest. I haven't been there in a couple of years because I was so jaded from my first handful of experiences within the first couple of years that it opened. I just completely gave up. But I remember getting a tour there when it was being built, and they were um, uh, Rob Johnson who's a a crossing broad guy, got a a tour, wrote a post about what it was going to be, and he touted the victory German-style beer hall. They wanted to put a steak restaurant, a steakhouse that Ed Snyder would be proud of, obviously PBR. And... All these things sounded good in practice until you get that sort of big corporate handsy money on it, and their German beer hall is actually just Victory beer, which is great. Nothing wrong with that. The yeah, victory salad. No, but the first Saturday night I went to the German beer hall. There's a cover band playing pop songs on the stage, and they and your pretzels. Did you want polka? No. Uh, we, if you're gonna like, this is the thing that would not happen at Brauhaus Schmitz or something like that. If you're gonna do it, Brauhaus, bra,
1: Brauhaus, whatever.
0: Do it correctly. Oh.
1: When don't you get talk a pretzel, legitimacy hold on. Of, of of maintaining German culture. If you're gonna mispronounce, go ahead.
0: When if if you're gonna do something like that, do it right. And when you show up and you order a pretzel at the German beer hall, don't give me the the soggy Aramark pretzel. When I order a hot That's dog not. or a brat, don't give me Dietz and Watson. Like the, these are the things. Okay. This is how they water down everything. And every event there is overcrowded, overpriced. And by the way, I had a, you know, big, big time alert here. I had a VIP card for, no! for the, yes, no! I know, I know. Super important, super important. Private parking rolled up in a limo. Just kidding. Um, had a VIP card, went in after like the Phillies home opener that first year it opened or the first spring that it was open. Said to my dad, I was like, we can go in. I know it's packed. It's okay. I got a VIP card. We can go in the section. The place was so crowded and beyond fire capacity or was on the verge of being beyond fire capacity, that I could not even get in the building with the VIP card. The VIP card could not even get you into the building, let alone the VIP section. They so i a I'm, VIP entrance. I'm, they do need a, a VIP entrance. Flaw. So I, I'm out on pretty much everything at Xfinity Live. Other than something like the Lottery Party, which is at least a, an organic event that sort of was born because people were excited about something rather than 97.5 trying to shove the same seven personalities down your throat all the time. And Matt Nahagian, one time I took a shot at it, also called me and said, what, you don't like Fantasy Fest? It's our biggest event of the year. So it's like, yeah, no, I think it's Well, you're
1: getting a phone call now, aren't you?
0: Probably. I uh, deep enough into the podcast. Probably I, f- tuned out. I
1: feel like at this point, the, uh, the radio spot's not going to happen now.
0: The radio. Have yeah, there... I would. Yeah, remember, not. remember.
1: Uh, you know, come on, you weasel. Come on, Skippy. See if you can do it yourself. There's been no update, Kyle. So I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling that uh, at this point they've been so upset by the six one zero thing that they, uh, they don't want to have you in. And, and it's a shame. It's a shame for, uh, for everybody.
0: Uh, let's do a couple more questions here. Uh, jeez, I can't read that one. Uh. J- j- uh, bah, 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 bah. Oh, this I, has clearly actually,
1: been one of the best podcasts we've ever done why
0: is abbreviated such a long word i really appreciated that That's why it. is what why is abbreviated such a long word i really appreciate that comment let it sink in and then it will hit you
1: i mean i i get it do you get it
0: got it there it is there it is yeah. are you going to make a jd hammer shirt uh dude if that. T- if He comes
1: up. That's that's instant. That's instant. JD. T-shirt. Oh, yo, come on. Hammer time with the oh, glasses. It's, it's brilliant. He's do good. it now. What are you doing? Because he's never gonna. Hit make it while the iron's eggs. hot. That's why you hit it while the iron's hot. People are seeing the picture of the kid. Glasses. Hammer time. Do would it now. not
0: say I would not say I would potentially sell one of them to his brother.
1: I bet you'd be sell more extent. than one. Uh, if you great. would buy a shirt, if you'd buy a hammer time shirt with the glasses, uh, tweet at crossing broad.
0: <laughs> yeah, please. Don't make me make it. Um, Although I suppose I could do that on demand, but I I would lose money paying for the design. Then, uh, whatever.
1: Kyle, is it about making money, or or is it about or is it about doing doing the right thing for the people?
0: Yeah, no, it's about making money. I'm not spending a hundred dollars to get the shirt designed to sell one, uh, let alone stocking it. If I had to do that, um, huh. yeah, that's it. Not a whole lot of good questions this week because I tweeted it out at 5:30 in the morning. Do you have anything else to talk about?
1: um it's not i'm sure i'm sure we could yeah well um so just real quick this uh this comes back to a topic that people hated that we covered um on the last episode uh baltimore ravens lineman um what's his name john urschel he was a really good offensive lineman for them he's also an mit mathematician who's written peer-reviewed papers he retired from the nfl two days after the cte report came out he's certainly not going to be the uh like leading a giant wave of nfl players retiring he also has a really good fallback that he is a very good mathematician um but uh i don't know that was that was one interesting thing as just a little bit of a follow-up um yeah i I guess uh, here this 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 is like i guess one other thing that that kind of concerns things that people care about um so we saw that jake Pavorsky and seamus clancy both uh Left Liberty Ballers, mm. and we've we've mentioned at least Jake Pivorski before about being a uh, a really good, solid Sixers writer who, quite frankly, does it better than most of the people who get paid by the uh, the major outlets uh, locally to do it. So hopefully mm. he finds a place to land soon. So it yeah, uh, interesting here with regard.
0: So my favorite Pivorski story is. Uh, in I want to say like 2013 2014 the Sixers were playing I'm gonna screw up exactly what it was they were playing some sort of exhibition game in Spain a preseason match something like that I want to say it was when Michael Carter Williams was on the team I could be wrong long story short Keith Pompey is there he is traveling with the Sixers in Grippy dog S- in Spain covering the game in person. And he gets not that the game necessarily deserved more, but he gets maybe a 400 word AP style story who, what, when, where, why about the game, and it's in the newspaper. And he is there. He has been sent to Europe to cover the game. Jake Pavorski, who at this point is either a senior in high school or a freshman in college, watches the game on a shitty live stream, like I think like an unsanctioned European live stream. I don't even think it was an NBA TV deal. And gets a, uh, you know, let's call it a 2,000 word dissertation analyzing the improvement or the progress of Michael Carter Williams, the Sixers offense, whatever new player was on the team at the time, uh, you know, some things that he looked like he had improved with. Like, just this really well written, um, detailed piece. Trying to pick, you know, find things from those these European games to really break down some of the new players or some of the young guys' improvement and that stuff. And he watched it on, I'm guessing, like a 480 uh, pixel live stream from across the world. And it was it ran circles, ran circles around what Keith Pompey had put together. And I feel like there has never been a better example as to how. Uh, incompetent many of the local beat guys can be and the fact that there are guys like Pavorsky who don't at the moment have a place to write and Keith Pompey gets a paycheck to do what he does is uh, really really frustrating and it's partly a tenure thing or whatever but when you see stuff like that it is, uh, is kind of striking so yeah it sucks Jake uh, decided it probably isn't the best career and it's probably a good call but um, yeah Keith Pompey still getting paid to cover the
1: Sixers. The only thing P- Pompey
0: has going for him is that he does occasionally break a story. He does have a sorcerer, too. But I mean, he's, his...
1: got, he's got some people.
0: I had someone tell um, me last night they tried listening to his podcast and they couldn't make it five minutes in when he sits, told you, sits in a room I said, with his recorder. I said
1: before, and I mean it in the nicest way, he is droopy dog. He is. He is. I'll uh, uh, tell, tell you, the Sixers is a... Uh, they they got a lot of good guys going, Oh, I guess this is okay. Like it it's kinda sad. Um anyway, Might uh, be my favorite last, Russ impersonation. Last thing, Lakewood Blue Claws, Phillies minor league affiliate, we're sold. They're gonna stay with uh mm-hmm. you know, as as a, as an affiliate of the of the Phillies, so don't worry.
0: I hope they keep the logo. That's one of my favorite logos in minor yeah, I know I every know. minor league team has some sort of sea animal with blue in their logo. Um However, I think the Lakewood blue Colts have an excellent logo and it was one of my favorite uh twins franchise hats to wear backwards when I was a freshman in college
1: anyway there you this have is, it. uh this has been this has been a fascinating episode. I hope the people uh stuck with us through so we, all this soon we
0: will have uh Eagles preseason games i i actually really like talking about the preseason games i think that's a lot of fun you can draw uh, sweeping conclusions based on two series but it's always exciting to do and is actually real sports especially when the phillies were good i didn't i didn't even know the eagles existed until the philly season ended which in some cases was the end of october but man when the phillies are bad it it's actually Looking forward to the Eagles preseason football is is somewhat of a thing. So uh, I enjoy I enjoy the – are we still getting Scott Graham and, uh, and Mike Mayock? I think Mayock calling Eagles preseason games is one of my favorite summer pastimes, sitting sitting in the warm weather, listening to Mayock break down the third-string offensive lineman.
1: Yeah, I mean, Mayock does a really good job of breaking down the team, and Scott Graham continues to prove the Phillies wrong. Uh, with every assignment he does, I think he actually was he doing the uh, the tournament, the thing that ESPN was uh, was showing. He did the uh, the lead in for it at least. Scott Graham continuing to go on to do big things, and we have Tom. What McCarthy, tournament? So. It's called the tournament, the basketball oh, tournament. Yeah, the tournament. The, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, So, uh, so he's actually Scott, got Graham, his own... Scott Graham was a guy that I really I really liked when he was a uh, a play by play guy for the Phillies, and I thought it was a shame when they lost him. Um, he I thought would have. I don't know. I, I would actually be interested. This is this is not to to you know poke fun at the sports radio kind of thing, but I would actually be interested to see from people on Twitter who they preferred between McCarthy and uh, Scott Graham and because the I the answer
0: is going to be Scott Fransky. I, what, I'm telling you, no, no, no what? No, tell, I, <laughs> I I promise you, people will respond and say Scott Fransky.
1: Yeah, well, I know Fransky's really good. I'm not say, like the, having one doesn't preclude you from having the the, uh, the other necessarily. Like they could have had they could have had a, a backup. Oh, no, I guess no. They did need to get rid of Graham to get Fransky. All right, yeah, it's fine. I like Fransky. but now we're stuck with McCarthy on TV. I'm not. I'm not a huge Tom McCarthy guy.
0: No, uh, I'm Whatever. not either. Scott Graham actually has his own production house in New Jersey. He does a lot of national stuff. Obviously, NFL films. He produced uh, the first of all. He, even though he's a pen guy, he called the Villanova team stream for the Final Four a couple of years ago on TNT or TBS. Yeah, he did uh, with Casey McDonald. Uh, on the sideline uh his call i was a little disappointed in his chris jenkins call and i'll say of all the people who called oh, i'm the chris
1: sorry i f- i forgot to say Pottsville own casey mcdonald go ahead really yep wow she's gone far see that from pottsville to eric Hosmer. you can, you can, a, you, can, you, can like, you can you can be a uh, you can be a skook she's uh, bounced around a lot of pro athletes though in yes. fairness she's uh christian ponder my favorite Eric is Cosmer. when she was
0: dating the, the Phillies pitcher who was here for like a minute. She showed up to a charity event with him. Uh, I forget huh. his name. He came up through the system and people thought he was going to be good for like a day, like 2012.
1: Um, Interesting stuff. Uh, hey.
0: Anyway, so Scott Scott uh, Scott Graham called that Villanova thing. I will point out uh, a viewing alert that on Monday night, uh, CBS Sports is going to have a documentary. They're calling it Four Sides. Uh, and the first topic they're focusing on i guess it's like a four-part series is chris jenkins shot so uh that is a must watch well, on cbs sports network which nobody gets yeah
1: uh, cbs sports network oh, i think that's, so yeah that's, that's gonna that's be after rough. one
0: of those watch online later because no Isn't one that knows where jim rome, rome is i, jim Rome's I on no Yeah,
1: he, he, he does no his show
0: on there yeah i,
1: found I it wish, was yeah, I found it I wish
0: adam was here because there's it's a lot of nance in that i wanted to get his thoughts they go heavy on the nance interview
1: that on monday on monday it is uh ask somebody about their favorite diner in their hometown and he'll show them the picture of the toast it's great
0: i yeah so yeah i don't know anyways oh so scott grant was doing he does has his own production house he was doing villanova documentaries he does his own thing
1: um i don't even know how the hell did we get on scott grant i don't know man we've we we really went down i know that adam was calling this weird friday and i'm sure he's gonna have weird friday stuff for monday but uh we we definitely did some uh some jumping down some rabbit holes here we did well. That's that's what you do when you got no sports team. So for those for those of you who are upset that uh, you know everyone's favorite divorcee uh, Adam Lefko was not here, he will be back on Monday, uh, assuming that his Bleacher Report laptop is recovered. So uh, when he finds the mugger.
0: Um, all right, th- thanks for listening. Uh, leave keep leaving the five star reviews. In iTunes, it does help us, and if you leave a review in there—a written review or a question—we will absolutely get to it on the show. We will prioritize it above the Twitter questions, no matter how ridiculous. So keep the five-star reviews coming. Thanks for I listening.
1: 5 thirteen five-star reviews. We haven't had a review in a few days, so if you uh, if you are the next person to do it, you will guaranteed hear your thing on Monday. So uh, yeah, thanks for listening. See. you.